Hey everyone, welcome to this week's sermon podcast of Living Word Pretoria East. Here you can listen to our latest weekly sermons for your spiritual growth. We believe that this message will really bless you. Amen. So we're going to get into the Word of God. And it's so wonderful when we are one heart and one spirit. So Pastor Anzel and Eckhart, we didn't chat and we, we didn't say who's going to do what. I asked her to open. I asked him to do offering. And they all spoke on Moses and the rock and the water and all these things. And my title for today is Fruitfulness Through the Living Waters. Fruitfulness Through the Living Water. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, that it touches us, that it cuts, that it separates. Father, it makes us discern. It makes us grow and become fruitful. And we give you glory, Father. And thank you, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, you will come and minister to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great. So we're busy with a Holy Spirit series and trying to give you a bit of different angles on, on what the Bible speaks about Holy Spirit, how He operates, who He is. He's a person. He's the part of the Trinity, the Godhead. And um, I want to speak on a specific um, part of the Holy Spirit that, that's being compared. All right. So my question to start off is, who of you likes water? Likes water. All right. No, you don't be shy. You can be proud of that. All right. Yeah, water to drink, uh, water to swim, <laughs> some people like that. But I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't like water? And, and maybe some of you, you're not going to know what I'm talking about, but around 60% of your body is water. 60% of your body is water, isn't it? H2O. And uh, so please don't get offended if I say this this morning. You and camels actually share some things in common. All right, you and camels. Okay, so you, you can, where's the single guys? You can use this at a pickup line if you want, all right? Hey, did you know, you know, we and camels share something in common? <laughs> all right. I'm just teasing. Don't take that advice. It's bad. <laughs> okay. All right. But even not just that, some scientists, they tell us that, you know, that, that you may be hoarding a good amount of that water in your brain, all right? They say about 75% of your brain is made of and consists of water. I know some of you, sometimes you feel like that's more to 95%, all right? But that's a different sermon, all right? But that's what they say is water. And, and we know that water is essential for all life on earth, isn't it? For the functioning of the planet, for the functioning of your body, we need water. It's important. Um, in other, uh, some, some of the examples of functioning of water is this. It regulates temperature in the human body. It carries nutrients and oxygen to the cells. It cushions your joints. It protects against, um, you know, organs, and, or it protects organs and tissues, and also it removes waste. All right? And you know that they say you can live over a month without eating, but you cannot go more than a week without drinking. You need water. Every single cell in your body, all 37.2 trillion and a half of them, and counting, all right, they consist and they require water to operate properly. Amen? So that's just a bit of, so what's it, biology or, or physiology. But get this, the water cycle life of water, all right, where you get evaporation and you get condensation and precipitation and apoderations, you get all of those, ne? who knows, that maybe you're drinking the same water that Jesus drank 2,000 years ago. Maybe you're drinking some of that, all right, because of the whole cycle of stuff that, that happens. But this is the main thing that we need to know. Water is key. It's essential 
to all life, all life. And it's essential for fruitfulness and for growth, for fruitfulness and for growth. What did we say? As long as the earth remains, God says, seed time and harvest. And for a seed to grow and be fruitful, it needs to be watered. It needs to be cultivated in the ground. So, so why do we talk about water? All right? Why did I just blabber all this information now and just tell you these things? You see, we're busy with a spirit or, or Holy Spirit series. Holy Spirit series and, and there's a connection, especially with water, especially flowing water like a river that's connected to the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. Jesus comes and He speaks it. As essential as water is for the human body to operate fully and naturally, so is the Holy Spirit necessary to our lives to operate spiritually. Amen? Hey, come on. Why is it quiet? All right? Good. So, iemand van my gauw een glas water krijg, dat ek net so hier en daar vir ons wakker krijg. All right. So what we're going to do today is just look at the, 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 the way Jesus spoke on the Holy Spirit and water and how Jesus linked water to the Spirit of God. So let's read John 7, 37. And he says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, out of his heart, or others says, innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Right, so Jesus stands up in this feast, this last day, and he shouts and he says, anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink. There's, there's different water. So what feast were they talking about, all right? And why did he speak of rivers of living water? Well, thank you for asking. Let me go. This happened on the last day on the Feast of Tabernacles, all right? The Feast of Tabernacles. This is the feast where they had to go and they made temporary structures and tabernacles where they had to, to reside in for that time. Now, William MacDonald in the Believer's Bible Commentary, he shares something interesting, just a little bit of background for you. Why did they do this ritual? Why did Jesus shout out at the Feast of Tabernacles on the last day? All right, so it's eight days. For seven days, each day, they had a carrying ceremony where they had to go to the Pool of Siloam and they will pour water into a silver basin at the altar of burnt offerings. So for seven days they will go and fetch water, and they will come and they will bring it back, because we know the water, Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit, and your sacrifice and your offering and your life. And He says that you need the Spirit. So for seven days they're coming and they take, prophetically what they're doing is they're taking the Spirit, and they're bringing the Spirit and they pour it out with the offering. And they don't realize what they're doing. But they don't do this on the eighth day. So Jesus comes, and that's why it makes such an impactful statement when Jesus comes and he, he says this, that, hey, I offer you water of eternal life. Something that means so much more. I offer you the Spirit of God. He says, you are doing this. But actually, there's no real satisfaction. You are doing this, but there's new, not, not something that, that fulfills you. What he says is, I will give you water. From your belly will come and flow waters of living water. And he says this about the Spirit. He says that actually, you know, there's a spiritual satisfaction 
that I want to give to you. He invites them and says, come to me and drink. He invites them because that never really satisfies. And the, the priest will pour out the water and this is what the crowd, they will shout and they will, almost like a mantra. They will say this out of Psalm 118. They will say, oh please Lord, save us. We beseech you, save us and send prosperity. Bless us. And they're trying to say this because they know they cannot save themselves. So they're doing this feast and this ritual, never realizing actually what they're doing and what God says. So therefore Jesus stands up and He says, hey, this is what we've been doing and what you've been doing. It's a prophetic act and it speaks of the Spirit which I am about to send. But He says, it was not sent yet because He was not yet glorified, was not yet crucified. But He gives a promise and says, this is what you're doing. This is just actually a prophetic act. It's something in the natural, what I'm going to do just a while later in the Spirit for you. I'm going to send my Spirit. It's in this dramatic scene that He spoke to the crowds and He says that, I know that the living water will soon be available to you. You're doing this, you're going fetching, but there's something soon that's going to be available. And He says, if anyone is thirsty... If anyone is thirsty, this is what he says. He comes and he contrasts their natural need with a spiritual thirst. He contrasts, says, you, you naturally, you get thirsty. But what he says is there should be a spiritual thirst in you. There should be a thirst for that. The reality, the truth, the purpose is only found in Jesus. You see, Blaise Pascal, he says this, that he's, he's quoting and he says that there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by anything, by any created thing, but only God the Creator, made known through Jesus. See, we all consist of that place that nothing can satisfy except Him. He says that there's a thirst, there should be a thirst and a hunger, a desire for Him. The second part, he says that, let him come. If anyone is thirsty, he says that, let him come to me and drink. And what he says is, I, I'm the only place where you actually really will be satisfied. All other religions, all other, you know, spiritual paths, it leaves you still empty. There's nothing in that. Nothing. He says, all must come to Jesus himself. Not rules, not regulation, not some church programs. All these things, he says, come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. You see, and, and it's so sad that they knew the word, that they lived it. And Jeremiah, God actually rebuked the day of Jeremiah. God rebuked his people. He says this, because remember, they're following the patterns. They're following all these feasts, but they don't understand the interpretation, the meaning, the revelation. And he rebukes them, Jeremiah 2.13. He says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. In other words, what he says is, hey, you have replaced the reality, this promise of the Spirit, that reality that He can live in you, you have replaced that with just a ritual. Where God wants to bring His Spirit in us, He says, you replaced that with a ritual. You've replaced me the spring of living water. And you've dug a cistern that cannot hold water. He says that, you know, you were following the ritual. And he says that you replaced the relationship with God with just religion. A cistern that cannot hold water. They were trying to get their water through a broken cistern. While God offers springs of living water Himself. 
And he says, come to me. That's why he says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. And he says, and from his innermost being will spring rivers of living water. That's a picture of the Holy Spirit. That's within the believer. He says that that's what will happen. He will be within us and he will be the inner source of strength and joy and peace. And it's unseen. You cannot see that within someone. But there's an outflow, what you can see. And that's what he says, that, that God is so generous. When God gives, He gives in an abundance. He says that there will be a overflowing rivers of living water, not just in you, but it will flow from your belly out, and others will then see it. They will start benefiting from that. They can start drinking from the river. Wow. Amen. And that's what Jesus says. That's why He cries out on that day, and He says, Come, there's a promise of the Spirit. That's a living water. So they're doing this water ritual. He says, that's not satisfaction. That's not what fulfills. You're just doing something, but come and get this. Get the Spirit who the Father has promised. Now let's just look quickly at, at a, a few types. Because where do we find a river the first time mentioned in the Bible? is in the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden. And you spoke on the Garden of Eden, the original pattern back to that. Genesis 2 from 8, it says, And the Lord God planted in a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man who he formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. Not into Eden, a, a, a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and he divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon, and the other flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. So that's where you need to go and look. Ne? Gold, and the land is good. Bedellium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river was Gion, and the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third is Tigris, Tigris, or Tigris, which flows east of Assyria, and the fourth, the Euphrates. So, so there's a river from within Eden that flows out, and it splits into a couple of rivers, and it says, and that feeds the garden. Remember, I'm speaking about fruitfulness through living water, because the Holy Spirit is the living water, the river of life within us, but He wants to make you fruitful. He's not just in there to flow there's something, there's a fruitfulness through that living water in your life. So the first mention of the river is associated with the Garden of Eden itself. God planted all in its perfection. Everything is perfect in that at garden. And it's interesting, it says it flowed from within, out of Eden. And the word Eden means pleasure or delight. That's the source of beauty, fruitfulness was this river that flowed from deep within. Josh, um, um, Josh MacArthur, John MacArthur, he gives a commentary. He says, speaks of this source. He says it's like a subterranean reservoir. It burst out of this. Because remember, there was no rain at the time. No rain. So this river just comes out of Eden, bursts out of the ground, and it, it feeds everything. It nourishes. So can you see the picture of the Holy Spirit? That was to be living waters within the believer that needs to flow out. The same, the Garden of Eden and this river that feeds the garden. So does the Spirit flowing from deep within the believer today. 
There was a hidden spring of water within, within Eden, all right? Just as there's a, a hidden spring of living water within you, but God wants that river to come out and let it flow. And it splits into four. Now, names, as I say, is a prophetic utterance of character. It's always something interesting in names. So these names mean something. And Dr. Hitchcock, if you look at the Bible book of names, Gion means valley of grace. So Eden, delight, and pleasure. And one river's name is the valley of grace. The Euphrates means fruitfulness. So there's a grace, there's fruitfulness. All these things flow. There's peace, there's provision, there's grace in the presence of God. Can you see what the Spirit does when He flows from within you? There's grace, there's provision, there's peace, there's the presence of God. That river that needs to flow. There's fruitfulness and complete peace. You see, Eden and man was God's complete delight and pleasure. And you are still that. Still that today you are God's delight. That's still what God wants for you today is to have that delight, that pleasure, that peace, that freedom, that fruitfulness. So that's one. That's where we see in the book of Genesis the first river that comes. Then the second part, and that's why I say we didn't chat, is water from the rock. All right? They just spoke on the second time the water flow from the rock. First time water flows from the rock, it's in Exodus 17. It says, And all the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? The people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. All right, lucky Moses, he's the leader. But everyone is moaning. Why did you bring us? There's no water. And you see, they're moaning for a reason because as we've seen, water is crucial for your survival. Water, your body consists of water. They need water and they're in the wilderness. They're in a dry place. So it's a moan for necessity. It's a moaning for survival because they need. They say, you're going to kill us. And the Lord instructs Moses to do something odd. He says, strike the rock, all right, and water will come out for the people to drink. And I asked Pastor Tasha this question also yesterday. I say, when I say, when you read this, strike the rock, what's the picture in your mind? What picture do you have? And she says, like, striking. I was like, no. <laughs> All right, what picture do you have? What's the rock that you see? It's like, we just strike the rock and now suddenly it starts to bubble. This was Kinder Babel's die. Remember, it speaks of about 600,000 men. That's not counting the women and the children and the cattle and all the livestock that needs to drink. The Bible says this, Psalm 78 and Psalm 105. He says, He caused the rocks to split in the wilderness and He gave them water as from an abundant sea. It's not a little bubbling up. It's a gushing 
It's a gushing. It says, He brought streams from the rock, causing water to flow like a river. Psalm 105 says, He opened a rock and water gushed out, flowing like a river in the desert. That's a miracle. I said, oh, I would have loved to see those miracles. Yet they had so much unbelief. It's not just a little water coming. It was when He struck the rock, there was like a, a water-like sea coming out to feed a nation, to give water to a nation. Now, it's interesting because when God instructs you, you know, to do something, usually God gets you to do something odd and strange. You can be sure that there's a reason. All right? There's a reason. And, and this incident of striking the rock is an amazing picture of, of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and you and me. It's a picture of us because, remember, Paul comes in 1 Corinthians 10 and he says this, They drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. So now we're going to get the connection of speaking to the rock and hitting the rock because the rock pictures the rock Jesus. It says the rock is Christ. All right? And, and he says that we had to strike the rock. It was Jesus who was struck for us. And why did he have the second time to speak to the rock? Because Christ is not to be struck twice. He was already struck for us. That's why he had to speak the second time to the rock. Because Christ was meant to be struck once for us. Once and for all. That's it. So he says, speak to the rock the second time. But he says, strike. Because Christ would have been struck. He will be struck for us. Moses is a picture of, of you and me. Why? Because Moses had to strike the rock. And we all nailed Christ to the tree. We all struck Christ, our sin, all these things that He died for us. We struck Him. The water is a picture of the Holy Spirit, right? The living water that poured forth into the heart of the believers. So when it came forth, then it's a thing of, of Christ. Remember, Christ was struck. And after, He says, I was not glorified. After His death and resurrection, the water started flowing. The rock was dead, was struck, and then the water came out, the Spirit, from that. And he says, the Spirit will do the same from believers within. It will burst forth. I mean, I want you to get a hunger and a thirst for the living waters to flow. Because there's fruitfulness. We're almost done. There's rivers to come because God speaks prophetically. All right? He, he pictures the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He speaks of the Spirit that will be without measure when Jesus, in the day of the King, He says, when the Messiah rules on planet earth from Jerusalem. He speaks of this in Zechariah 14. He says, On that day living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem, half to the eastern sea, half to the western sea, and it shall continue summer as in winter. And the Lord will be King over all the earth. And on that day the Lord will be one and His name one. That day is coming closer. And you see, we cannot forget then the last chapter in the Bible, all right? Revelation 22 that speaks of this fulfillment, that speaks of this. The chapter in the Bible speaks of the fulfillment that was started in Genesis. In the Garden of Eden, there was water gushing from the ground, feeding, making the, the garden to be fruitful perfect state and then sin came in and it destroyed and Jesus comes and after this ritual he promises he says I give living waters 
And if you receive the Spirit, living waters will flow from your innermost being, from your belly. The tree of life was in the Garden of Eden. But they chose to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life was there. And now Revelation ends with the last chapter, 22, and it speaks. It starts again with the river and the tree of life. It says, The angel showed me the river of water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. And through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree before the healing of the nations. I love it speaks of the tree of life. It says as clear as crystal the, the river is flowing. As clear as crystal, straight from the throne of God. What does a river depict? It's the Spirit. Beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit. The purity without contamination. As pure as crystal flowing from the throne of God. You have the Spirit of God. Picture of the Holy Spirit, pure and holy. No mixture. No mixture. And God says that is what needs to flow from your spirit. A pure and holy. No mixture. A river as pure as crystal. And He says this, that the tree of life brings fruitfulness, beauty, healing. You see, Genesis and Revelation, they both have the river of life. And we see that this river relates to fruitfulness, the beauty of life. Eden was pleasure and delight. Why? Because it was watered by this underground spring of outflowing water. And the same, Revelation gives us a glimpse of the age to come, of that water that flows from the throne of God. It fed the tree of life. It says, and this produced fruit in and out of season, 12 months, 12 months. Literally and spiritually, and it's for the healing of the nations. So what about today? What about today? You see, Jesus gives us this promise still. He says, if you believe, rivers of living water flow from your belly. Rivers of water from your belly. And as Christians, we want to be fruitful, don't we want to? We want to be fruitful. He says, they are known by their fruit. But how? You see, the Holy Spirit is given to your life to be fruitful. That's why you cannot tell me that, that you just need to be saved. You just need to be born again. No, God wants to give you His Spirit, the fullness, the measure of that. It shows the difference between something that we're going to look at and we end off. Why does He want you to have this water of the Spirit? Let's look at Jeremiah. It shows you the difference between being barren and fruitful, even in difficult circumstances. Jeremiah 17, it says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He's like a shrub in the desert, shall not see any good to come. He shall dwell in parched places in the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. He says, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its root by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, 
for it leaves its leaves remains green and it's not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit God compares this to the man who first trusts in himself and fellow men and the answer is trying to reach for himself out of me my power remember what we said about unity last week me myself and I that's not unity he says that's the man and he says this out of his own strength out of his own resources he says but that leads to a curse it leads to a curse something that looks like a dry shrub dry bush and he has fear he has fear he says but second man is the one who does not trust in himself or his own resources or his own strength but he trusts in the Lord he puts his hope in the Lord and he says and this leads to a blessing that looks like a tree that's planted by the water and he will not fear not even when there's dry times when the drought comes he continues to yield fruit amen through this hidden source of supply and that's what God wants to do that's what Jesus said come to me there's a living water that will flow from you that will give you it's a source of supply that in the wilderness in the dryness wherever you are you will not be cursed but you will be fruitful you will not fear you will not be a dry shrub but you will be carrying fruit the one who trusts in the Lord amen there's a hidden source of life-giving water inwardly available through the presence of the Holy Spirit let's just stand together that's what God wants to do and, and the invitation still stays the same today where they've done this ritual and say oh God come and save us make us prosperous help us Jesus cries out and he says hey if you really want help you need the spirit that flows from within not a structure not a ritual a life-giving relationship amen let's just close our eyes because as I said we live by faith the righteous shall live by faith and it says build up your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit and then Jesus says that who believes in me out of his heart will flow rivers of living water you see your roots need to go down into the living waters in and of yourself you cannot do that you don't have what it takes to produce lasting spiritual fruit you don't have that it's found in him God is a master at this abide in him and you shall bear lasting fruit father we just come father I pray that 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 what your word is that what you've promised about a spirit that we will receive and it will flow like rivers of living water out of our bellies father I pray that this morning you will unplug every clocked up well in everyone's spirit every part where it's not flowing where there's not a life-giving flowing father I pray that you will uproot unplug father that there will be a river of living water flowing gushing forth like the rock gushing forth why because the rock gave the water like a gushing stream Christ in me Christ in me this morning father we come and we receive your Holy Spirit 
We receive the promise. And yes, Lord, come and do. Holy Spirit, come and bring that fruitfulness in our lives. And let us become like that tree that's blessed. That even in the difficult times, God comes, He says, your leaves will be green and you will bear fruit. Thank you, Father. We take that. We take that. We receive that in Jesus' name, Lord. We receive that. Just spend a minute with the Lord. I just hear the Lord says that if you can get around your mind, because some of you, you, you struggle with your mindset. You struggle with reasoning of the mind. And He says, no. Don't try to work it out with your mind, but let the Spirit come and witness with your spirit. Let the Spirit come and flow out of your spirit. Because He wants to bring forth living waters. And some of you, you feel like you're shrinking away, like that shrub in the desert. And God says, come this morning to me. If you abide in me, I will start changing that. You'll start seeing the goodness. You'll start feeling the blessing of my presence that's with you. Father, I just speak that over everyone here, that you've made us complete, and you've made us to carry the fullness, to carry the Spirit, and therefore you have what it takes. That God-formed vacuum void He has placed inside of you to fill with His Spirit. So, Father, we receive that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you need ministry, amen. Praise God. If you need any ministry, if you want to, to receive more or you want us to pray with you, to, to let the Spirit just flow more, to receive that, you're welcome to come. We will pray with you. We bless you and we love you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to know more about who we are and what we do, go visit our website on lwpe.co.za. You are formed to function, so let's build.